Hello everyone, welcome back to the 162nd episode of Shea Station. The Mets went to Detroit and got swept by the Tigers. Uh, we started last episode, or we ended last episode by saying this could be the beginning of a get-right stretch for the Mets. Game one kind of looked like it would go their way. And after that eighth inning, the rest of the series was pretty much written in stone. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jack, a.k.a. Jolly. Joining me in a very nice new backdrop is Jerry Blevins. Jerry, how, how are you feeling right now? I feel good, man. Good morning to you. Um, yeah, they got swept in Detroit. It's not ideal in any sense. Um, Scherzer didn't look great. Verlander looked really good, but still early and not fully stretched out. So they only went five. Jimmy Yacobonis looked great. The offense looks kind of DOA. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not calling on this phone though, because I don't think our internet would be very good. Uh, Although it is nice. It's your style. It is. It's very my style at my Airbnb. <laughs> uh, I'm okay, man. I, you know, I, I know a lot of people are very upset, and understandably. I think they're worried, and I get it. So how, how are you feeling? I feel okay. Um, I didn't feel great yesterday. I think if we had recorded right after the game, the reaction might have been different. Um, but I, you know, this is kind of how I felt after the Cubs swept us at home last year. I know the scenario of the season was completely different, September, all that. But yeah, the team just looked kind of lifeless after game one. Game one looked like it could have been in their hands. I think they, I think they didn't tack on when they should have. And then Otto just didn't have it because he hadn't pitched in a while. Max Scherzer, I think, is the biggest thing for me. Um, I'm starting to get worried because we're five starts in now that's you know a decent chunk of your season about you know one sixth if you can call it that and he hasn't looked good you know in pretty much every facet he's walking people he's given up a ton of home runs velo is still down from where it used to be i think that is mostly where my concern lies because outside of that you know the bullpen had good moments there jimmy yakabonis looked really good didn't use d rob which was unfortunate the offense looked good in game one, and then they kind of just disappeared in game two and game three, and you kind of have to tip your cap to Erod because he's a good pitcher, and I think people forget that. Uh, but yeah, man, they're in a weird stretch right now. They're cold, um, and the Mets kind of do this thing with bad teams where they play down to them, and then against the good teams, they play up to them. That's just kind of been my experience in the past few years as a Mets fan. So I'm hoping that's just what's going on right now. Hopefully Pete can reheat, uh, and we can see that that light-hot bat get back to it because I don't think he's had a home run in a couple weeks now or a week and a half or something like that. Um, but yeah, man, the, if, you're, if you're concerned at home or angry at home, I think you're rightful and entitled to feel that way. But I'm hoping that they'll come home and kind of quell those worries. Yeah, I understand exactly what you're feeling. I think they looked flat. That offense looked flat. Um, they're an older team. It's going to take a while, I guess, to, to find their identity. Uh, it's been a really weird start to the year as far as, like, game time and travel. Mm. Um, Scherzer hasn't had a regular routine. I, I understand the worry. I'm just now starting to be at the front of, uh-oh, this might be, you know, this might be it. But uh, to me, I'm never going to count out a three-time Cy Young winner who puts in the work that he does. I'm not going right. to doubt him until until 
he says, you know, what do I got to do? Um, Cause I, th- I think even at this level, I think he could figure it out. I think he's still trying to, that velo's in there and he's trying to see it. Uh, if it doesn't show up and he doesn't pivot, then I'll be worried. Um, but I'm, there's a there's a red flag up, I'll tell you that. So I, I get it. Verlander looked <clears throat> looked really good. He gave up two solo home runs. Um, I was very encouraged by what I saw from JV. His velo was there. His location wasn't as crisp as normal, but it, it got there. Um, Nimo streaky. Alonso's cold. Yeah. McNeil McNeil doesn't look great. Marte doesn't look great. Um, Lindor is swinging and missing a ton. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm not ready to panic. This might be a weird spot for the Mets where it's only May the 5th today. Yeah. Um, happy Cinco de Mayo to you. Uh, and it's, we're not saying goodbye to the NL East, but it, it truly doesn't really matter if they win the NL East because this team's still built to win if all things, they figure it out eventually and they make the playoffs. So now it might be just get to the dance with your two horses healthy and your lineup locked in. But I still believe that this team could play how we thought they did last year. They won 101 games last year. Right. They added Verlander. Um yeah, so I still believe in the team, but again, you don't. I'm not down on everything that I see. Yeah, I mean, I said it yesterday, knowing that I'd probably get some wolves after me. But you know, at this point, last year, those same Braves who have developed into a wagon uh, were 15 and 17 to start the season. So, in fact, these Mets are technically better than they were at this point last year. Obviously, the Braves had young spark plugs come up and Michael Harris II and Spencer Strider, and that's still a thing that can happen for the Mets with Beatty, Alvarez, Mauricio, Vientos has been raking, so that's still in the cards. But, you know, teams don't usually catch fire and stay on fire the uh, entire season like the Mets did last year. That was just kind of a really special 101-win season. And I think it's it's tough for Mets fans because we went from watching – 70 to 75 win teams year in and year out. And then last year was a complete anomaly, uh, if I'm being completely honest. And, you know, we I don't know if we can expect 100 win teams every year, but this is still a winning team. This is still a team that should make the playoffs and potentially win 90 games. They just haven't found their footing yet. I think it's an identity thing, too. You know, they had that weird end to the season last year, the very abrupt end, they had the Correa thing. They had just, I don't know. I don't know if this team has fully found who they are yet, especially starting the season without Verlander and then missing Scherzer, who is supposed to be the identity of the team. It's been a weird start to the season. I'll say that. So to be 500 at what I consider the end of the start of the season, isn't inherently bad. It's just not where we want to be considering where things were last year. Um, I think with this episode, we're not going to do a full recap. We're not going to do apple of our eye. If you saw on our socials, we instead opened up the airwaves to you guys uh, to let you guys voice your opinions, get your rants out, uh, offer some optimism because we have very optimistic listeners, which I love. And I was worried that nobody would want to call in on such a downer of an episode, but we ended up getting like 40 voicemails, which is pretty, pretty cool. We're not going to be able to get to them all, sadly, but we did pick out a handful uh, with some nice sentiment and some questions 
Uh, for those of you who who ranted, I heard you. I heard your curse words. I understand. Uh, don't think we can feature <laughs> them on the show because we have some kids listening. We uh, do still appreciate the call, though. Get oh, absolutely. Your out. Let us know. It's better to to leave it in a voicemail than to do it on the internet. Yes. Where it's permanent. You yes. know, we're not gonna we're not gonna air you out. Especially because I think if you rant. if you vocalize it, I think it feels better than typing it out. You know, we'll, then you we'll, really get your, it out of your system. We'll be your therapists. Yeah, we'll be your therapists today. <laughs> Hey everyone, hope you're having a great morning. Thanks for tuning into the Shea Station podcast. Before we kick off today's voicemail episode, a very special episode, considering where the team is at, I'm going to tell you about today's sponsor, which is a very special sponsor, and that's HelloFresh. I wish HelloFresh kind of got a more high spirits episode to be the sponsor of, but nonetheless, they are probably my favorite sponsor in Shea Station history. I got to sample some of their meals, and they're absolutely delicious specifically the firecracker meatballs were a treat for me and my family to eat uh guys if you're not a connoisseur in the kitchen HelloFresh is the right thing for you they have foolproof recipes that that, that arrive pre-portioned and they're just easy to prepare and anyone can cook them even if you haven't cooked before because of how specific and detailed their instructions are uh, it keeps your taste buds on their toes with 40 recipes and over 100 seasonal and convenience items to choose from every week and they're celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. So you can try limited edition, authentic recipes created in partnership with Serbisani, a chef, and enjoy a cultural taste tour right in your own kitchen. So if you're looking to expand your taste palette, this is a great opportunity for you. Right now, they have an awesome deal. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash Shea16, S-H-E-A 16, and use code use that code for 16 free meals plus Free shipping. I know that sounds a little too good to be true. But right now, if you click that link, HelloFresh.com slash Shea16, you can get 16 free meals and free shipping and start using America's number one meal kit right now. I highly recommend it. Thank you to HelloFresh for sponsoring today's episode. And now let's get to Shea Station. All right. So I picked out a handful. Jerry, you want to dive into these or you want to get one let's more do thing it, off man. your chest? All thanks. Right. No, thanks again, guys. So we appreciate you guys listening, um, calling in, following us up. That's great. Um, I'm not ready to panic yet. I get it. But let's, let's I think we're ready to get into it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to kick us off with, let's see. I think I'll kick us off with this one because I think the sentiment was good. It was a, it's from a fan, not named, but a fan who started following the Mets the same year I did in 2009. So I feel like we share a very similar headspace. All right. Here's the first one. Hopefully you can hear it okay. No. Very long. You know, we're going to restart it and now we're going. Okay. All right, so I haven't been a Mets fan very long. You know, I, I mean, nominally I've been a Mets fan since, you know, 2009 maybe. You know, I was uh, back when, like, City Field first opened, but I was pretty young back then. I'm only uh, 19 now. Um, and I think I've just discussed with, like, the, the doomerism uh, that you see in the, the Mets fans that this is the worst team they've ever seen, and it's, it's clearly not. I mean, you know, um, will this team catch lightning in a bottle? Probably not. But, you know, they're still a pretty competitive team uh, day in and day out. I will say this. I am deeply concerned for Max Scherzer. I think that he's getting old, and his fastball velocity has, has just continued to, to, to tail off. Now, this has been a weird start to the season uh, with uh, the inconsistencies in, in actually getting out there on the mound. But I think the drop in velocity is concerning, and I think that um, that's contributing to his inability to fool hitters, uh, at least in the early part of the season. So I'd, 
I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about that. Great call from our unnamed listener. He named some of the things that you mentioned when you were talking about Scherzer, but I thought it might quell Mets fans to hear you kind of offer some some pitcher's wisdom on what you think is wrong with Max right now. So, um, first of all, thanks for the call and good point in the questions. Um, they definitely aren't the worst team we've ever seen. Not. <laughs> we're not Jeez. the worst. They're not the worst Mets team we've seen in recent history, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but you know, the expectations coming in, raise your level of what you want to see. I want to address Scherzer a little bit. Velo's down. Um, nobody's chasing the, the off-speed out of the zone. He's getting ahead, can't put anything away, which is so anti-Scherzer, what we're used to. Um I still believe that he'll be fine. You know, you give me give give me to the end of May. Once, you know, he gets into regular starts and if this, it doesn't turn around, if his velo doesn't come back, it's a, he's definitely not going to be as effective as he would be at 95. Um, But he could still be a very good pitcher at 92. It's just a different mindset. Um, We saw CC have a a resurrection of his career once he figured it out. Um, Again, this isn't the, the guy that you, that you signed up for 43 million a year to get that kind of guy. So I understand, but this is an experiment signing old people to be elite for a year or two. You're going to swing and miss at a point, but this is what you're doing to contend this year, Mm. last year and next year while bringing up these core of young players, developing your player development, you're supplementing. So this is an experiment where you bring in two of the best pitchers in a generation at the end of their careers to try to win a championship, steal one early, but building a perennial contender. I think you Scherzer, good points there. Yeah. Thank Sorry, you. I was like, sure. Scherzer might be not as effective. He might have missed his prime. We might miss the back end of that. He might not ever be the same. It's an experiment that might have failed, but I'm not ready to call Scherzer done at being elite, being a top five Cy Young contender. He's got a long way to go, but uh, I'm not going to be the one to to pronounce him dead and then he show up and just be elite. It's yeah. possible. But, you know, I understand the concern and I get it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we mentioned this in his PPP a bunch, but, you know, looking at his regular season numbers last year, he was really, really good. I know he missed about eight starts in total, but, I mean, he had a 229 ERA. He still gave us 150 innings. Yeah. Like that's, you don't just find that. You don't just find that. The thing that's concerning for me is that, you know, I'm I'm a savant guy. I like spending my time on there and, you know, looking at percentile rankings and all that, and his – his main hub, his page with all the bubbles on it, is unrecognizable. It's a ton of blue. There's not really any red in sight, and I'm very used to seeing dominance out of Max Scherzer, and that's just not – it may not be the pitcher who he is anymore, but that doesn't mean he can't get outs. I don't know if that if that's necessarily what that means. The big thing for me is the home run ball. Six home runs in 22 innings is concerning. Last year it was 13 home runs in 150 innings. 
Um, so I, I need that to kind of be rectified. I don't need Max Scherzer to go out there and strike out 10 every time. If he can go out there and get six innings, two earned runs, and just find outs with a great defense behind him, that's fine. But he's got to keep the ball in the yard. And I think once we start seeing that is when we'll start seeing uh, a positive change in his results because he's given up home runs to guys that should not be hitting home runs off Max Scherzer, quite frankly. Uh, I'm with you, and I get it. Uh, give me give me another month. Yeah. I think that's fair. Give me let's get one third even, of the way into the to, season. To be honest, even then, this team is built to win in October. If they figure it out, if they make the playoffs and Scherzer figures it out at the end of the season with Verlander, and you have those two at their full height of powers, I don't care about their record in at the end of April. You know, this team could go on a run. This they're built to do that, you know. I just want to make sure they get to the playoffs and then they're, they're those two guys at the top are healthy. That's that's basically it. Um, if we see it before then, if we don't. Um, but I'm definitely worried, I, or I definitely get the worry on Scherzer, and it's it's the beginning of, is this it? Because he's, you know, he's older. I yeah. get it. He gets it. So, All right. Shall we move on? Let's do it. All right. We got another call here. Does this one have a name? This one does. This is from Liam in Brooklyn. Here we go. Jerry, Jolly, this is Liam from Brooklyn. Boys, how we doing? Personally, not too concerned about it. There's like 140 games left. Our pitching staff has been near non-existent, and some of the stopgap guys, you know, have sort of showed up. I was impressed with Tommy Hunter personally. My question, I guess, if any, is are you guys concerned a little bit about Starling Marte at all? The guy's bat second in our lineup, and he's a crucial piece to leading things off, and I just haven't seen it so far this year. A lot of double play balls, tough fielding work, that's all. Love the show, guys, and let's go Mets. All right, thank you, Liam from Brooklyn, asking about Starling Marte. Do you want to lead off on this one? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about Marte, too, because he's an older guy. Um, he's a speed guy. He's always hit into double plays, like, yeah. uh, weirdly, because he's so fast, but he's been a double play guy before. He was last year, too. Um, he made a great catch in the outfield, um, you know, at the wall in Detroit. I'm, I'm worried about anybody that's that's aging. You know, you, you're going to – speed is tough. Yeah. Your bat speed goes with it. You have to adapt. Um, but he's another player that I'm not going to to throw away because he he got hurt. That neck slowed him down. Um, he hasn't looked great, but uh, I've seen spurts of him looking great this year already. So I think – I think he'll be fine, but you know, and it's hard not to look at all the little pieces of this lineup and be worried about it because of just how they've been shut out. What five times, six times, something like that already. Eight times, eight times already. I mean, that's absurd. Yeah. Especially for a team built on contact that doesn't strike out. You're supposed to be kind of shutout proof because you're putting the ball in play. Um, but for Marte, I'm going to put him in the same category as, as Max Scherzer. He's not that as good. He's not a Hall of Famer in my my. But um, give it another month, and then if not, you're you're going to have to make an adjustment. Yeah, no, I agree. And 
Marte, it's a little different for me because last year when he was, you know, healthy for those first five months, it was good months and then bad months. He's a very streaky hitter. He started last year uh, batting 224, 608 OPS in April. Then he lit it on fire in May, batted 340 with a 929 and kind of flip-flopped by the month. His best month was in July. His OPS was over 1,000. And then in September, he was injured. So he's kind of always been that streaky hitter, at least in our impression of him as a Met. The thing that is concerning for me, and I'm not attributing this to the missed catch in game one because he was playing no doubles, and that's a hard ball to get to. So I don't, I don't know if he would have made that catch anyway. Um, sprint speed is down, and we knew this going into this contract that starting Marte, his main weapon was speed and that it would wane over the years. And we're in year two. He's owed $20 million each of the next two seasons. Right now, he's the 36th percentile in sprint speed. And I think it's deceiving because you'd look at nine stolen bases and assume Stoyan Marte still got it. He's still one of the faster guys in the league. That, I think, is the most concerning bit to me. And that's not really something you can fix. That's just part of aging at this point. So I'm hoping when that bat comes around, it can kind of rectify the the aging skills of Starling Marte because if he's not hitting, you know, he is a liability to this lineup at this point. And I'm hoping that May can be a better month for him. Hopefully that neck still isn't bothering him. Hopefully he's not playing through pain or anything because that's the last thing the Mets need right now. Um, and, you know, they just got speedster Timmy LaCastro healthy again. He's playing in AAA, hit a double last night, stole a base. So he'll be ready to go. You love him. You I love, love Timmy I just, I think he would be a good piece right now, you know? Love Timula. Um, I mean, when they signed Marte, it was like, oh man, you signed a that guy to a four year deal. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty eye opening then, um, because he was much older, and you knew speed, like you said, speed was going to go away. the The sprint speed does concern me, but again, he's so streaky. He uh, he knows when to turn it on, when to to not. So, um. Yeah, give me the warm months when he's feeling good as an old man, and let's see how it goes. Definitely agree. Yeah, I think out of the voicemails we received, the two most frequent questions were about Scherzer and Marte. So if you also called and asked about that and we didn't get to you, that's that's why, and we apologize. Uh, but, but yeah, I think that's kind of two big pieces on both sides of the ball right now that the Mets need to get going if they're going to be successful this year. And hopefully that will be the case. Uh, you ready to move on? Yep. Let's see where we should hop to. Okay. This one I found a little interesting because it's about the starting rotation. And I want to hear what you think about it. This is from Matt from Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is Matt from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I've been a Mets fan for years. And I think we need to remember how good this team is, especially compared to teams of the past. Um, But I do think there is areas of concern, um, mainly – well, with the pitching rotation, the starting pitching rotation, uh, you know, uh, if Max can't be the guy uh, this year, uh, I, I kind of think our season is going to live and die based on him. Um, so my question would be, is there anyone out there, any trades that you all can see being made that could potentially, you know, strengthen that starting pitching rotation? Uh, and if so, what would those be? Thanks. Interesting question from Matt. Yeah, uh, you want to recap question real quick, and then and then I'll let you take the first part. Yeah, so Matt said that it was kind of following the Scherzer sentiment of things will live and die by him, and if things aren't working out, uh, is the Mets' best course of action to try and dip into the trade market, which I found interesting because nobody really took that route, especially because it's early in the season. Um, I will take the lead on this one, and I'll preface it by saying that 
if you're going towards the trade route and you're looking at the teams that are going to be selling, a lot of the marquee guys that would be considered starting pitching free agents kind of all play for winning teams right now. I mean, you have Shohei, who's an angel, and who knows what that situation will be, but Julio Urias is a Dodger. He's not getting traded. Aaron Nola is a Philly. He's not getting traded. Um, the biggest one, if you wanted to go this route, would be Lucas Giolito, who's off to a good start for the White Sox, and who knows what that team is going to look like in July. They got off to a bad start. They've been playing better as of late. But also with the Mets, you got to remember that we haven't seen Jose Quintana yet. Carlos Carrasco is due back and is supposedly healthy, so he could be back in a week or two's time. And we've barely seen Justin Verlander really go yet, and hopefully we have him for the rest of the season. You know, no, no, nothing going on there with his arm. So with that, you have three guys there, potentially Scherzer rebounding, and then a combination of Tyler McGill, Joey Lucchese, and Kodai Senga, which kind of leads me to believe that if the Mets do make a trade, it's not going to be for a starting pitcher. Uh, I think, if anything, it would be for that power bat that we've all been kind of waiting for because that's much more accessible on the market right now. But it's something to consider, especially if the Mets encounter more injuries because I think Giolito is probably the top guy and will probably yield a pretty competitive atmosphere with a lot of teams looking for starters. It's something to think about, but we're also in early May. I don't think the Mets are quite there yet. I don't either. I still think uh, Verlander looked great. Like, he looked great. I was excited by what I saw. I looked the same. Numbers were the same as last year when he won the Cy Young and had a 175. Um, Kodai Singa hasn't <clears throat> been comfortable yet. Yeah. You know, again, I think he'll be very good. I was encouraged by what I've seen from him. He's been up and down, but it's been weird. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, McGill looked really good last start. He's been solid. Peterson was terrible, but he's been a very good pitcher. Uh, Carrasco is going to be coming back. Lucchese's looked very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think they're going to give up anybody elite on the farm system for Lucas Giolito. I, I could be wrong, but it's not like if Giolito shows up and pitches that the whole team gets fixed. So yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, because you remember, it's, you know, one day out of every five. It's not going to be a permanent fixture uh, to the team. And uh, we'll talk probables later with Senga and Lucchese because I think that's it's going to be an interesting series for them to hopefully rebound and bounce back. Tyler McGill also pitches in this series. Uh, As for Peterson, our guy, uh, it's been a tough start to the season. He had a rough start at AAA yesterday, too. Uh, I'm not sure when we'll see him back, honestly. I think he's got some things to figure out with that slider. Uh, Walks were down again, but I think he's got to find a good balance of both. Uh, but with Cookie healing up and Verlander back, uh, it may not be necessary to have Peterson in this rotation. I think the, the Mets can find a formula uh, with the guys, the older guys in the rotation. And I agree because Verlander, I think, was sitting like 95, 96, which is about where he was sitting all of last year uh, outside of that first inning, which is, you know, his first inning back pitching in, you know, six months or whatever without a spring training. Really, uh, he looked good. So that's something that was encouraging going into this next series. You ready to hop to the next one? Next. On to the next one. On to the next one. Let's I'm see. playing with... Uh, I was wondering what you were fiddling with over there. I can't help it. It's it's like a Iron Man. Kind of a child squishy. at heart. Well, you know, the, the boys are like, can I get that toy? And then my, my head, I could play with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't have it. I'm playing with it. <laughs> All right. This one is from Dan from Queens. 
Hey, man, how you going, guys? Um, Jerry, love you. Jer- uh, Jolly, you're okay, too. This is Dan from Queens. Um, I just wanted to know, uh, do, do, do you think, uh, do, 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 do you, do you think, uh, do you think that guy Dan from, from RefGuest, is he single? Thanks. Love it. Dan from Queens. I love, he loves me. I love you. Did you Jolly's recognize very that lovable, voice? Dan. Did you recognize that I voice? I did it. That was our is friend that, Dan Kenobio. Uh, is that Kenobio? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I it was our good friend Dan Kenobio, noted Mets fan, Dan Kenobio. Uh, is Dan Kenobio from Queens indeed? I don't, I don't think he is. <laughs> I don't think so either. I do love me some Dan Kenobio. Shout out Inside Boxing Live, John Boy uh, Boxing. He's the man. He's on all the ref guest stuff. Yeah, he says some very inappropriate things that, yes. out of context, <laughs> sound terrible. But I love Dan. Love me some Dan. Yeah, ref guest legend blowing up on TikTok. Good for Dan. Thanks for calling, Dan. You're a goon. All right, let's get back to the serious <laughs> stuff. I promised him I would show him that one. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Let's see. Where should we hop to? Where should we hop to? Let's. I'm. This one's more for you as a former player. Okay. Yeah. This is a good question. Curious to see what you say. Hey there, guys. Big fan. Jerry, remember you very fondly uh, from when you pitched with us. And uh, you always look very good on SNY, i got to say. Jolly, big fan of you. Love your love your stuff as well. My question mainly is for Jerry, just like, as a veteran-laden team, how do they respond to the media here? Because, yes, we shouldn't be 500, but it's, May 4th, it's May 5th. It's still an early season, so how, how do they keep playing hard while still maintaining that, you know, it's a marathon season, not a sprint? Thanks, guys. God bless. That's good. Um, first of all, thank you for the kind words. The question was kind of hard for me to hear. He wanted to know how a veteran team handles not playing up and also talking to the media. Is that the gist of it? Yeah, the gist of it was how does the how do the veterans respond to the media when playing really poorly after such a successful season? And then how does the mentality shift for a team that's kind of in like a marathon sprint of 162 who's struggling this early on? Yeah, I mean, that that's the beauty part of a, a veteran leadership kind of team. On top of that, it's nice to have superstars like Francisco Lindor and Brandon Nimmo who get asked these questions the most. Um, they they bear that responsibility of standing in front of their locker and answering on behalf of everybody, including themselves. Mm. Um, so as long as it's positive, if they're able to say, look, you know, baseball is difficult. It's been strange. There's no excuses, but it's, you know, we're not playing up to where we are. They have that sense of, again, and this is New York in general, have a sense of responsibility and accountability for your part in it. Have a sense of reality about where you are and how the team looks. And be honest about what you think they need to work on or what you are working on. Just be, you know, forthcoming and, and let people know where you are, but be do it in a positive man, a manner. And then this, this clubhouse is, is so good. Mm. You know, if you remember 
the 2021 team where they're like, oh, we're we're a great clubhouse. We're fine. We'll figure it out. Just smile. This this team will this team will hold a, a meeting and they'll call people out if they think they're if they're not playing up to it, if they're not putting in the time. They'll figure it out. If it's capable of being figured out, if the parts are still good, this team will figure it out. So that that leaves me very optimistic that if it's in there, they'll find it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that that 2021 team because that was the first team that we covered together as a duo. And it's just such a far cry from where the team has come to this point. A lot of, you know, it feels mean, but a lot of excuse making, a lot of just bad quotes in the media, you know, the thumbs down debacle, the rat raccoon thing. That is not who this team is, um, which leads me to believe that they can rebound and find it. Whereas that 2021 team kind of felt like they were just keeping their head above water until they weren't. Um, yeah, things have changed, and I think the veterans definitely help with that. And it's also it's you know two sided coin because the veterans are kind of also the reason why the team is struggling right now. Um, but I'm hoping that the mood in the clubhouse is still high, and that's also another question that we got asked later that I'll, I'll lead us to. Okay, go. Um, do you want me to answer that? The mood in the clubhouse. I'll let I'll let our guy get it get his voice in first. Let's. Okay, see. cool. I believe this is Joe from Maine. Yeah, Joe from Maine. That's shout out Maine. I love Maine. Hey, Jolly and Jerry. It's Joe from Maine here again. Love the pod. Obviously, tough time to be a Mets fan right now. Kind of something that feels like a lot of teams go through, but we were spoiled last year with the amazing end of the Mets had. So I guess I got kind of a two-part question here. One is going to be for Jerry. What's the kind of mood or vibe going on in the clubhouse for a professional baseball team when something like this is happening? And then for both Jolly and Jerry, what do you think the mindset for the Mets needs to be going forward? You know, do they need to rattle off a bunch of wins in a row, or do they need to just start slowly getting back in the win column? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Bye. Thank you very much, Joe. Great question. Uh, main man. Main man. Uh, uh, yeah, thanks for the question. The mood in the clubhouse is great, I imagine. You know, obviously they're they're not feeling – riding the highs but this is a team that knows that what they're capable of they're just trying to find it it's a very positive fun environment i guarantee it but there are some some guys determined and if if they feel like you know you show up to the ballpark every day if you're dreading it then if it feels negative then it's a tough year i don't think this team is there i think they are pressing a little bit because they want to win so i think it might be a more let's relax a little bit, fellas. Let's let let's let us play baseball. If we're playing our brand of baseball and we're losing, that's when we can feel like this. But we are we're not playing up to where we need to play to. Win or lose, they're not playing the style of baseball that they should be. And I think that's why it'll be all right, guys, let's come in, have fun, do our work. The the clubhouse will be fine. Again, it's May the fifth. It's been a weird start to the year. A lot of weird times for games and cancels and rain and double headers and just just weird. So relax. This is a marathon. Let's play some baseball and we'll be okay. I think that's the feeling in the clubhouse now. Yeah, I mean, they've they had their taste of success last year. And also like I think it's interesting because I don't think there was ever a feeling of easiness last year because they were racing with the Braves the whole time. It was never like they had something locked down. Um, but yeah, they're they're a non-panic clubhouse. And then to answer the second part of the question as for what the Mets need to do right now, 
I don't think a winning streak is really in the cards n- and nor what they are envisioning as like the recipe for success here, but it's winning series, man. It's beating the bad teams because right now they have a positive record against winning teams and a losing record against losing teams. And I think that's the formula for success. You got to beat the teams that you should be beating. And that's what they did so well last year up until September. They really pounced on teams that they should be beating and won pretty much every series they got against sub 500 teams and then played up to their competition, which was good. Um, And right now we're just not seeing that. And I think it's, whether it's they're taking their foot off the gas or it's just getting bad pitching performances in those series specifically, it's the reason why this team is in this situation. Because if you take series, if you win one of those two games against the Giants and you take the National Series and you take the Tiger Series, you're looking at a team that's five games over 500 and we're not even doing this voicemail episode. It's a completely different season. Yeah, you nailed it there. You said something that they're, they got to win series. That's the key. Just, just, you're not trying to sweep. You're not trying to, you're just winning series, winning a ball game. We are seeing some things this year that we didn't see last year at all. Well, mental mistakes. Yeah. That Nemo stolen base attempt. That was bizarre. And he addressed it again. He stood in front of his locker. It was like, that was not a very smart move. Very thoroughly. He addressed it too with like, the As numbers he should. And everything. yeah. Yep. It was, it was a mistake. Very silly. We didn't see that from Buck Showalter led team. Um, that is a little bit concerning and that might be a, Hey, you know, Buck, Buck might be like, Hey, let's, let's figure this out. Let's write this. We're not in the right mindset. We shouldn't be playing down to our competition. We didn't see it at all last year. These teams lose. They ran into Josiah Gray, who looked incredible, and yeah. Mackenzie Gore looks like the real deal. You're going to do that. They go to Cincinnati. If they run into Lodolo and, and Hunter Green at their best, could be a couple of losses. But in general, on the season, you should win two out of three against the bad teams. It's just the way it goes. Um we we have seen a little bit of of difference from last year, but they, it's an identity thing, and they got to figure it out here pretty quick on what style of baseball they're going to play. Yeah, definitely agree. And I mean, you can still salvage this thirteen game stretch by just Easy. beating the bad teams. That's really all mm-hmm. you have to do. You take two out of three against the Rockies and the Reds, and then three out of four against the Nats, and you're looking at eight wins and I think five losses, which is perfect. It's fine. You can work with that. But the Mets got to go out there and do it, man. They got to go out there and do it. Um, and I think that's kind of the extent of the questions we got here. Um, most of them, a lot of similar questions asked, so we picked out that bunch. Uh, again, we want to thank all you guys for calling in and voicing your concerns and kind of basking in this weirdness with us. But <laughs> I disappeared. I was doing some math. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I we're, like, hmm. we're like... 17% through the season, maybe 20%, not even there yet. Not even, yeah. You, even if you were great now, you're going to have some hiccups along the way. This is a weird season. It's baseball so strange because you play every day. Um, your concerns are real. You're allowed to have them, but don't put the nail in the coffin and be panicked just yet. Scherzer's a concern, understandably. Marte, you know, Let's see him get back to to speed. But this is still a very good baseball team with a lot of very good players and with still have World Series aspirations. I don't think that's out the window yet. Um, I expect this team to contend. Uh, I expect them to, you know, 
win, like you said, 85 to 90 plus games um, and be in the playoffs. And so if you're in the playoffs, you got a chance. Uh, I still think they're a very good baseball team. So I'm not I'm not ready to to wipe my hands of them yet. I agree. And uh, that takes us to looking ahead against the Colorado Rockies, which I think I'll take over today since I've had you do a lot of talking, a lot of answering questions. Uh, We have an ad read too for you. I did that at the beginning. You're good. Okay. Um, Mets 500 team at home, 500 team on the road. So hopefully we break something there, get a little winning record going. They're welcoming in the Colorado Rockies who are a not so good team this year, a team that, you could argue the Mets should beat as they are 12 and 20 on the season, kind of searching for their own identity and not hitting very well. Game one, Kodai Senga finally pitches again. He's home again, three and one with a 4.15 ERA against Antonio Sensatella, who's making his season debut. Escobar, Lindor, McNeil, Marte, and Nimmo all have homered off Sensatella. Marte six for 11 and Fam is six for 13. So hopefully those two can get right. Fam had a good game this series. We didn't shout him out. So props to Tommy Fam breaking that hitting streak. I jinxed him a little bit. That's my bad. But also, <laughs> I kind of fixed him. So not all bad. Best up. All right. And you took credit. That's pretty good stuff. <laughs> Uh, Senzatella, a career 2.88 ERA against the Mets in five starts, so he feels comfortable against us. And Kodai Senga hasn't pitched since April 26th, which is now nine days ago. Uh, five innings pitched, two earned runs against the Nationals. I was at that game. They did not win. It was miserable. Hopefully they win tonight. Game two, Tyler McGill with a 3-1 and one record and a 4-1-1 ERA against Austin Gomber, 2-4 and four with a 7-5-7 ERA. If you're a diehard Mets fan, you remember Austin Gomber's name, and you shudder a little bit because he has really good career numbers against us for some reason. His last two starts in the past two years, 15 innings pitched, 10 strikeouts, no walks, four earned runs, and two wins. Hopefully the Mets can crack the code against the lefty. For McGill, he's allowed one run or less or pitched six innings or more in just one of six starts this year. Hopefully he can break that curse a little bit and give us a quality start. Gomber has given up nine runs and two innings to the Pirates, but then had two good starts after that. So he's riding on a little bit of a heater. Hopefully the Mets can break that up in game two. Game three, Joey Lucchese is the probable starter because they kept him short in Detroit. He's uh, one so weird. Really weird. We'll talk about it. One and zero with a three eight six against Ryan Feltner, who's two and two with a four four five ERA. Pete Alonso two for two with a home run against Feltner in his career. Uh, Feltner has allowed just two home runs in thirty innings this year, so hopefully the Mets can clobber him a little bit. And then, as Jerry alluded to, Joey Lucchese was pulled after just forty six pitches on Wednesday and should be well rested for this Sunday game. Those are your probables for Mets Rockies at City Field coming up, and hopefully we get some good starts. Nice. Yeah, the Lucchese thing was so strange. It was like worrisome because you're you pull a pitcher with that few pitches. And I thought like, he was injured. He hurt. Yeah, yeah, everybody did. Um, but it turns out that that uh, Buck Showalter was rolling the dice, playing a little strategy there because he knew that they didn't have anybody slated for Sunday because of the double headers that they right. had. They have pitchers stacked up. Um, to be honest, his gamble worked. Because Lucchese pitched four, and then Jimmy Yacobonis came Jimmy and threw three shutouts. So good. Um, so his he was good because there they got seven. They were in the lead. Um, and then Ottavino kind of gave it up. So you, you, you plan to have a lead going into the eighth inning. That's what he did. Uh, and it worked out for him, but the team lost. And now you do have – 
Joey Lucchese read it for Sunday, if that's what was really going on. Which I kind of I'm believe. Still, I don't know. I believe man. it too. But I'll. I if if he looks if he comes out and he looks fine, he has no weird like blister issue or hammy issue. It just was. It was strange. But Buck again has been pretty open and honest. Hmm. Um, what a what a gamble to to pull your starting pitcher. And he looked good. Like the first inning, obviously wasn't great, um, but he locked it in and he was cruising. Yeah. Uh, Lucchese has had kind of a rough first inning in all of the starts, if I remember correctly. That's kind of just how things have gone. Even in the, even in the Giants' start, I think the bases were loaded. Joey Fuego. Joey Fuego. He needs a little bit to get the fire going, but he's he'll be good. He'll be all right. Um, as for the other two, I was, I was kind of surprised reading out the numbers because these are not bad numbers for any of our starters. It just hasn't really looked that way, if I'm being completely honest. I think the base runners not scoring is probably the biggest thing there. Uh, but clean outings for Senga and McGill are going to be big here. This is a Rockies lineup that has been pretty bad. Even the names that you think would be good have been bad. Uh, CJ Crone is below league average right now. Uh, it's really just Chris Bryan and Charlie Blackman kind of carrying the load. Also, Elias Diaz is having a good year who's catching for them. Uh, but yeah, this Rockies team is kind of in the middle of nowhere like they kind of have been for a while. Uh, the bullpen's been actually kind of okay for them. Uh, starters have been bad. So it's this it's a similar Rockies team to what we've seen. The Mets beat up on them last year. Hopefully they can beat up on them again. They need to crack that Gomber code. What the hell is that, man? <laughs> Why can't you crack Austin Gomber? <laughs> Some people just got it. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's great. But too. again, this is a take two out of three. Yeah. Win a series, especially at home against a lesser team. Um, and then get back on that road trip. Yeah, they got seven. Oh no, yeah, seven this games on a, the road after this. There's this is another three on the road, three at home, seven on the road. Like, what is happening? Who it's made so the weird. schedule, man? Who made the schedule? I blame Manfred. I blame. <laughs> it's the easiest <laughs> thing to do. Just blame Manfred. All right, guys. Hopefully, you found this episode at least a little bit consoling or therapeutic, and hopefully, you're feeling good about a game tonight. I think it's kind of washed over for me. I'm excited to watch Sanga pitch. Uh, obviously I'll, I'll change my mind if they're losing, but I'm excited to watch the Mets play baseball at home and hopefully get a, a home win tonight. I will be on the pre and post me and Gary Apple back together. The dude, uh, how, how happy was Gary Apple after Jimmy Yacobonis three shutout? Oh, he was so happy, <laughs> but then, you know, then they lost. So he yeah. didn't get to talk about it as much. He was, he said, I still said the name a couple of times. <laughs> That's all right. All right. Well, thank you guys tonight. for all the voicemails, man. That was great. Um, don't freak out yet. You know, it's not, it's not ready. Not ready for that. Yeah. Not quite there yet. Uh, could get there soon. Who knows? But go yeah, out there. Yeah, beat, the sure. beat the Rockies. Beat the Rockies. Beat the Rockies. Beat the Rockies. All right. Let's all go right, Mets. Buddy. We'll see you guys soon. See ya.